Welcome to Thrive, your agency resource, the only podcast for creative, media, and technology leaders who are ready to dive deeper into conscious leadership and agency growth. I'm your host, Kelly Campbell. Thrive is brought to you by Accessibility, the leading web accessibility solutions provider. Join thousands of agencies that are already incorporating web inclusivity into their service offerings. Visit accessibility.com today. So welcome back to another episode of Thrive. Today we're diving deep below the surface to get a radically inclusive leadership archetype. And so you're probably wondering, what does all of that mean? My guest is Latanya Wilkins. She's a leadership consultant, uh, keynote speaker, and author of the new book, Leading Below the Surface, How to Build Real and Psychologically Safe Relationships with People Who Are Different from You. And that was published by Publish Your Purpose Press, uh, Jen Grace. We love her. So Latanya, thank you for coming on and thank you for your work in the world, but I'm really excited to, to have this conversation. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. So let's start out by kind of framing up a couple of things. There are, you know, in the book, you talk about how there are these highly rewarded behaviors in workplace mm-hmm. environments that have, let's say, historically and continue to destroy organizations. Yeah. Yeah. So let's yeah. kind of start out with like, what are some of those behaviors and, and what does that look like? And then uh, we'll just we'll just keep keep chatting. Yeah, I love that you started with this because I I had a conversation about this yesterday. But it's uh, in chapter two of Leading Below the Surface. I talk about the dominant leadership standard, and when I talk about that dominant leadership standard, I, what that means is that these standards were set by an elite group. Uh, it's a close group, an elite group, an homogenous group. And a lot of things that the standard is based on that were developed by this group aren't really backed by research. And so I talk about many different things. I talk about, for example, competition over collaboration. In that dominant leadership standard, you're supposed to be competitive over collaborating, which, you know, if you look at the research, it's kind of questionable if being competitive is better, right? It's competing with yourself instead of competing with others or on a team competing with yourself instead of others as well. And then I talk about meritocracy. This one actually gets people sweating because they they've kind of run their organization based on meritocracy for a long time. And even yesterday when I was talking about this, people were like, that's the first time I heard this, that meritocracy doesn't work. But pick up a copy of the book because I cite a study by Emilio Castilla. And I think I kind of know the company that he researched, but he researched a, a, a large company. And basically what he found with the meritocracy is it doesn't work. And there's it doesn't work because there's so much bias ingrained in organizational systems that are based on meritocracy, for example, like performance management. And what he found is that in performance management processes, even if you look at like international folks, like outside the U.S., this was a U.S.-based company. If you look at U.S.-based minorities, they basically got lower ratings on average, even if they did the same amount of work as their majority counterparts. And so he was able to see that it just doesn't work. It favors certain people more than others. Mm-hmm. And um, it's really, really hard to say who's the best 
or who's the highest performer because there's just too much bias. So yeah, so those are a couple of the things that are really eating up our organizations. Again, and there are ways that we structure our organizations and there are also things that we base our processes on in organizations. Yeah. And from your own experience, I mean, you are a queer woman of color and Mm -hmm. to paint that sort of picture of like, what were your some of your experiences or just, yeah, that broad, broad brush of experience with toxic leaders or what you call in the book surface leaders. <laughs> yeah, there's no shortage. Yeah. So there are a couple of types. I, I mean, there's type one that's like really not broken in the, in the sense of organizations where they're not like necessarily the worst, right? They're not going to get you sued, but they're definitely not below the surface either. And they're not going to get basically the best out of their team. They're not going to build that trust with their team. And those are, again, what I call surface leaders. And those are leaders that are kind of stick to business leaders. They don't really ask about how you're doing as a person. They kind of ask you to leave the human side of yourself at home. And they really focus on work and production and all of that. And again, it's not necessarily that it's toxic or there's like going to be a lawsuit or anything like that or discriminatory. It's just that these leaders aren't allowing you to bring the human side of yourself into the workplace, which is more important now than ever um, in any, any era before. Then there's like the toxic leaders, which are also uh, surface leaders. And those are the ones that I think get a lot more attention. You know, we do work with many types of organizations and it's funny that when like it takes them a while with surface leadership, but when it comes to toxic leaders, it's an emergency. And so that's another version of a surface leader. That's just actually, they are toxic. They are discriminating. They are doing all the things that you are, are going to be a risk to your organization. Um, one of my favorite books, and I think uh, it's fairly well known at this point, is um, The 15 Commitments of Conscious Leadership. And so Diana Chapman and Jim Dethmer talk about mm-hmm. above the line and below the line leadership. And so when I originally or initially heard the title of your book, I was like, oh, below the surface, like leading below the surface, how is that going to be different? And so I was just really curious about it. So, So we've been kind of talking a little bit about this, but like, what does it actually mean to lead below the surface? Yeah. So I have three pillars that I talk about in the book and there's also all these, I mean, if you want to think about the below the surface leadership as a universe, I mean, there's more surrounding, but the pillars and the foundation, uh, I'll talk about those a little bit right now. So you can get a flavor of that very briefly. So the first is uh, the first pillar is what I call real leadership. It's an acronym, relatable, equitable, aware, and loyal. Mm. And I came up with real leadership because I did so much research on archetypes. I participated a lot in leadership archetypes and there weren't any archetypes that talked about how we lead. They're always like, what are the skills like strategy, innovation? And so real leadership is you know, a new way to think about it. And that's how a below the surface leader thinks about it. One of the other things I'll mention before I go to the second uh, prong is that with real leadership, equity is a part of leadership. It's not a side dish. 
And, and I think that's been such an issue in organizations. You know, I've led leadership development teams and that's, that's again, it's, it's really difficult when they're, you're trying to get your leaders to lead inclusively or create cultures of belonging. And it's like on the side, it's not even something that's front and center. There's all these other things that are more important. The second is empathy. So it's, and I talk about empathetic listening and different couple different ways to access empathy in the book, but that's empathy is building trust with others. It's building collaboration with others. And it's just building real relationships with people who are different from you. I, I talk about empathy a lot because Sometimes I work with leaders that are starting a new job and they're really nervous or, or they're leading a huge team and they're like, what do I do first? And instead of giving them, hey, hit the ground running, here's your list of things to do. I'm like, start with empathy, start with empathy. You're going to create those relationships. So that's the second way to be below the surface. You know, those lists are very surface level. And the third is psychological safety. I think many of us know what that is. Amy Edmondson actually wrote my forward and it's uh, psychological safety is being able to make mistakes at work without being punished. It's being able to bring your whole self to work without being punished. It's being able to speak up without punishment in addition to many other things, but those are the fundamentals of psychological safety. So again, um, three prongs, and again, it's a universe, but the three prongs are real leadership, empathetic listening or accessing empathy, and then psychological safety. Did you know that one out of five people in the U.S. is living with some form of disability? I'm proud to partner with Accessity as they work toward the mission of making the web accessible to everyone. It's time to prioritize inclusivity. Ensure that your own website and your client sites can be accessed by all and that they're ADA compliant. Head over to accessibly.com forward slash thrive to learn more about their agency partner program. Now, back to the show. So I'm curious. So empathy is is a big part of my work as well. And I'm curious about your thoughts on like Daniel Goldman's work, talking about the difference kind of between empathy and compassion, and then kind of sandwiching them together in a way, Um, Mm -hmm. talking about compassionate empathy. So there's a little bit of action orientation to it, right? So empathy is like, I support you, I care with you. And compassion is like, and I want to do something. I want to support mm-hmm. you in a way that, yeah, that lets me support you in in an action-oriented way. So I'm curious how you kind of land with all of that. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I, I think his work is good. Obviously, I think it's one of the, he's one of the, the, the leaders out there, luminaries out there. One of the things that I find really useful is Actually, you know, some of Brene Brown's early work before she became famous, uh, before she was endorsed by Oprah. And like, I, I think it's, you know, the way I, I talk about it is kind of a more aligned, I guess, a little bit more aligned with her. And then I could talk about how to access that. But the way I describe it is I, I try to let leaders know the difference between sympathy and empathy and what that looks like. Because I think empathy is is you're not solving someone's problems. And I that and that's why I think of it that way is because I think that with a lot of leaders that we coach as a firm, they're afraid of empathy because they think that they are not equipped to solve people's problems. Mm-hmm. And it's you're not feeling sorry for them; you're just kind of meeting them where they are. And you're and I talk about you know person to person listening. You're just listening to them. You're playing it back. You're 
observing body language. You're like listening more than you're talking. So yeah, I mean, I think that's, I try to stick to the basics because I still get a lot of people that are intimidated by that word empathy. And again, I think just showing up and accessing empathy is still difficult for a lot of people. So taking, I, I would put that next step like down the road. Got it's it. just the first step is just, yeah. hey, let's just get on the same level. Crawl um, before you yeah. are. Yeah, right, right. Yeah. Okay. No, that makes sense. That makes sense. One of the other things that I've heard you talk about on other podcasts is that you have this kind of vision for mm-hmm. the book. And, you know, so helping to really change the workplace and kind of creating a movement that was really just, it, it just hit me. It was, it was, moving yeah. and it was really inspirational. So I'm just wondering if you can kind of share a little bit about what is that bigger vision and that movement and like, how do you, now that the book's been out for uh, just a short while, how do you actually see that kind of coming to life a little bit? Yeah. Yeah. It, it's, so the book's only been out for what, four months, like a little over four months. And it's already had such an awesome reception. And this is just the beginning. I, I think we might've talked about this, but I, I talk about this with other authors as well, that your your book launches a full year. So <laughs> your launches, it's like, you know, you do everything and you have a lot of activity in that first month, but they say that the, the full launch is a year. And so Right now, it's uh, I'm doing. I'm still doing a lot of keynotes. I'm still doing a lot of interviews. Uh, I'm still doing a lot of podcasts. But as far as the movement, it's really amazing because every week I get several emails uh, from people that have read the book and they're like, "Oh my gosh! Like this is just what I've been waiting for. This is what I've been looking for." You know, I want to introduce this to my entire organization. Like, can we all be below the surface leaders? And so. It, it's it's starting. Is there more than you do? Yeah, I think that after probably in the, the spring or summer, that's when I'm going to start thinking about how do I cultivate this a little bit more? And there's been a, a couple of things I've been thinking about. For example, we do have a 30-day challenge, so that's a start. And that's so many people uh, do that challenge. That's What's on the challenge the surface. About? Yeah. So we have a 30 day uh, below the surface leadership challenge. And we did that because there were a lot of people that either had the book and didn't have time to read it in detail as they wanted, or they wanted to practice some of the concepts. And so uh, it's a 30 day way to practice the the three prongs. I just talked about real leadership, uh, psychological safety, accessing empathy. We've gotten such good feedback around that because especially psychological safety is just an example. It's really, people know what it is, but it's really hard to practice. So we're trying to to put this into practice. So we create more below the surface leaders. So yeah, just finishing that point. Yeah, there's going to be more coming for, especially just the individual that wants to learn more. Um, There'll also, there might be some classes, there'll be some communities and there'll probably be another book coming and I don't want to say too much about that right now, but uh, there's another. Like, <laughs> you the you dangled the it just enough. <laughs> yeah, the below the surface mindset. More, mm-hmm. more will be coming on that. Uh huh. Fantastic. And the challenge is that something that people can find on your website? Yeah, it's just leadingbelowthesurface.com, okay. and that's the landing page for the book. So you could find all the goodies there. Okay, cool. 
So as we start to wrap up, uh, knowing that our listeners right now or uh, viewers are leading creative media technology agencies for that particular kind of, you know, realm, what would be your sort of recommendation or direct tip or something that you could share that they could actually implement like Monday morning? Yeah, I love that. So with, I would go back to the dominant leadership standard and in the book, along with the dominant leadership standard, I talk about biases, like terrible three is what I call them. And their affinity bias, confirmation bias, and in-group bias. Hmm. But I would say that with that affinity bias, and that's being attracted to people who are like you, in creative industries, sometimes the way that we define creatives can be aligned to that dominant standard. So question how you are defining creativity and how you are running your company. I'm on the board for an organization called True Star Youth Media Foundation. And we work with black and brown kids in Chicago to learn media skills. And they they do really amazing things. And one of the really cool things they've been doing is large companies have been hiring our youth to do creative campaigns for them. Mm-hmm. And so that's one of the things that I would say for your folks is to kind of think outside the box. Like, what are you considering professionalism? What are you considering what a good creative is? What does that really look like? And hmm. is it biased? Is it, is it, you know, when you think of that, is it one type of person? Is it one type of culture? And um, challenging yourself, especially when it comes to your industry, because that industry, yeah, it does look very homogenous sometimes yeah. when I speak in those organizations. Yeah. Yeah. That's fantastic. I love that. Latanya, thank you so much. I obviously could extend this conversation <laughs> for a long time. But yeah, I'm, I'm really excited that you're, A, that you wrote this book, B, that we got to collaborate. Um, obviously, you're represented by consciousness leaders as well. And just just really love having you in my sphere. So thank you. Yeah, thanks for having me, Kelly. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Be sure to subscribe wherever you watch or listen. And a final note of gratitude to the official sponsor of Thrive, Accessibi, the leading web accessibility solutions provider. Learn more about the win-win proposition and keep your clients' websites inclusive and compliant. Be sure to check out their partner program for your agency today at accessibi.com forward slash thrive.